Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Grace Church this evening. I'm glad all of you could be here. Turn to your neighbor and just give them a, a really big smile and tell them, you pretty. You pretty. That's good. Y'all did. Y'all did good. Good. It is great to see all of you here tonight, and we appreciate you joining us tonight for Midweek Bible Study. Those of you that are joining us via Facebook and a live stream. Welcome to you as well. I just want to give you one quick announcement. I uh, want to remind you that Saturday, October 23rd is Ranch Day at the Boys Ranch in La Ranger. And if it's possible for you to go, if you don't have anything going on that Saturday and you can make the trip out to La Ranger, it'll be a good day for you and your family. And as always, you know that you can stay updated with things going on around Grace Church via the church app or by clicking on that events tab on the website. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment. Um, we want to go to the Lord in prayer on behalf of the Spell family. I uh, found out just a few minutes ago that uh, Tim Spell Jr. passed away. And um, I've known Tim for years, played music with him, sang with him in church circles. A very talented musician and somebody that could just make you laugh, just make you laugh. And I know that his family is um, hurting deeply tonight. We want to lift that entire family and church up uh, in prayer. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll pray and then pastor will come with our Bible study this evening. Lord, your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted, that you are near to those that are crushed in spirit. And we, we claim that promise from your word on behalf of the Spell family and all of their friends tonight. I pray that you would be close to them, that you would comfort them, that you would give them peace, or that you would help them to remember good things and give them some things to laugh about and take joy in, even in this time that is extremely tragic. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life that you gave us, and Lord, we thank you for the gift that Tim was to so many of us through his gifts and his sense of humor. I just pray that you would surround that church and those family and friends with your presence and uplift them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for praying with me tonight on behalf of the Spell family. God bless you this evening as pastor comes. You can be seated. Great to see everyone here tonight. Thank you so very much for coming. And uh, I have been very excited about this service tonight and I'm so glad all of you are here I will ask you to be mindful of the fact that kids church is going on tonight and also we're having youth service tonight and uh, if you would keep our staff in your prayers just want to see just God do some amazing things with our our kids and our students and um, that the Spirit of the Lord would be with them um, I want to go ahead and dive into our presentation tonight, and uh, I don't promise to be short. Uh, kind of tired of making that promise, to be honest with you. I do try. It is a sincere effort. Uh, I promise you it is. It don't always work out. But tonight, in the, in the four presentations that we've made, the past three Wednesday nights and tonight, I would deem this the most important. I want to read tonight from Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 26. 
Mark chapter 4, verse 26. You can follow in your Bible if you have it, and also on the screen. And he, that is Jesus, and he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. He does not know how that seed germinates and grows up. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. One translation said, and also he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. The soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest is come. Something that's a little humorous, but I, I've, I've presented this in times past with all seriousness. Uh, when we would have first, when we were first introducing this vision to our church, this plan of growth and, 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 and culture and what have you, uh, when people would go through the class, I would give them a coffee mug, a Grace Church coffee mug, and I would fill it with potting soil. And I'd hand it to folks and say, from now on, as you're on our leadership team, we're going to treat you like dirt. Because the dirt gives life to the seed. You can take a seed and hold it in your hand for the rest of your life and it'll never germinate. But you put it in the soil and it grows. I want to talk to you tonight about culture. You've heard me mention it a lot and often from the pulpit and preaching and teaching and that's going to be the focal point of our presentation tonight when we moved to Youngstown Ohio a number of years ago to start a church I found out the hard way what southern hospitality wasn't we were knocking doors one Saturday, inviting people to church, and this was a door the days before social media and all of that. And it started raining. It was pouring down rain, and I felt like I had to walk down the end of the street anyway to get back home, so I might as well knock doors till I do, and I was going to get wet. So I knocked on a person's door, and they very kindly let me stand in the rain. While I was making my presentation, they said, thank you for stopping by and closed the door. I thought to myself, if I was in my neck of the woods, they would have invited me in, at least give me a newspaper to hold over my head, something. And then we've been in people's homes, not necessarily as much Ohio, but in the New England area. And um, it was very difficult to navigate staying in some of these people's homes. There was no, no hospitality. It was void 
of hospitality. Our kids were smaller. Uh, Marcus one time said, Mom, I'm hungry. And the people just sat there and looked at him. I mean, he was five or six years old, whatever it was. Down here, the lady of the house would have jumped up and said, Oh, what, what is he like? We'll fix him something. This lady did nothing, said nothing. Finally, Sister Murphy said, uh, Sister so-and-so, do y'all have a box of cereal in your pantry by any chance? Oh, yes, we do. And uh, the pantry is right through the kitchen and here and this way and that way. And so she got up, Sister Murphy got up and went and fixed him a bowl of cereal. We found out what hospitality is not. You understand me using the term hosp Southern hospitality because that is our culture here. Everybody say culture. When you take that culture away, you can have very nice people. You can have very well-intentioned people. But nobody knows Southern hospitality like us Southerners do. Everybody say amen. It's our culture. When we lived in, in Youngstown, we would, Sister Murphy and I would oftentimes be standing in the checkout line at a grocery store. And I would strike up a conversation with somebody standing in front of me. And they'd turn around and look at me like I was a serial killer. Why are you talking to me? What are you going to do to me? And I'd rather not talk to you right now. And it took us at least three to four months to meet our neighbor immediately next door. She would rush out of her door to go to her car to go to work, get home from work, rush back to her door to get back in. We'd wave. She, she wouldn't even look. Just wadded up and bawled. I'm not making light of the people or making fun or judging them. But there is a difference in how you act and how you respond depending on the environment or the culture you're in. Everybody say amen. amen. If you were arrested tonight and was booked into the East Baton Rouge Parish Jail, you think you'd make yourself at home and just walk around feeling all chipper about everything? I don't imagine they would have the warmest environment or culture there does everybody understand I'm trying to use things to help you understand what I'm saying when people walk into that lobby at Grace Church we want them to find it warm friendly inviting but not just that we want them to feel like there's hope here for them there's promise here for them we want them to feel like hey I can come to this church and I can feel purpose, I can feel value, I can feel welcome, I can feel like I'm going to be used, I'm going to be incorporated into this church, it's just going to become a huge extension of my family. Who does that when people walk in the door? Who has that job to make that happen? Whose job is it? Oh my, y'all jumped one whole paragraph ahead, thank you, thank you. It's everybody's job. Everybody's job. How many times have you gone to a nursery uh, where plants are sold and whatever, bought a plant, bought a bag of potting soil, planted a plant, and it died? How many's ever blamed the soil? It's very rare that the soil is blamed because you buy that name brand, miracle Grow, whatever, something like that. So the soil has to be right. So if the plant doesn't grow, it's got to, it can't be the soil's problem. That's kind of where I'm coming from tonight. 
If people come here and it doesn't work out for them, it's not the soil. Y'all help me get. We, we, we have to do this. And then you'll see tonight in my presentation, it's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard. I'm taking a few moments to introduce this because trying to teach culture is oftentimes very difficult because the feel of culture is an intangible. You don't pass culture out in an after-service giveaway in a pack of cookies or a bag of chips and in a candy bar. The culture is the people. The culture is how the people respond to guests when they walk in the door. Listen to pastor tonight. Everybody, please listen. We can do everything. I mentioned this last week, and I told you I'd say this. We can do everything we do exactly right. Everything we do can be exactly right, and it still not work if our culture isn't right. You've got to have all of the ingredients, but culture trumps everything else. You can have a great attitude. You can have vision. You can have purpose. Three things we've taught on. But if you don't have the culture for those things, it's not going to work. Um, how many times have you gone to the nursery and bought a beautiful plant or beautiful flower arrangement and bought the potting soil in a bigger pot and say, I'm going to repot it so the root system has plenty of room to grow and forget to do that. And it sets out on your porch, your patio, and eventually the plant dies. And you had all the resources right there. You bought all the resources, but you didn't engage it. You didn't go through the process. This is what I'm talking about tonight. I'm providing the soil here tonight, if you will. I'm, I'm bringing you the ingredients, but we have to take action, and we have to do it starting now. Everybody say now. Okay. So culture has to be right. Mark 4 states, Jesus said it very clearly. If the plant doesn't grow, it's not the seed. It's the soil. Jesus said, soil produces grain. Through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, understanding Scripture a little bit, being taught a few things, whatever, we should by default, just being filled with the Holy Ghost, be the culture God needs for the church to grow. But oftentimes flesh gets in the way and attitude gets in the way and circumstances get in the way and events get in the way and all that. And so the, the plant dies. This is what we are determined tonight at, at, at Grace Church to bring to our church and let it always work perpetually. It's in how the seed is used and the condition of the soil. We need to have a soil condition at our church so that when we scatter seed, whether it be prayer or small groups or a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night Bible study, it produces. You understand it's not the music. It's not necessarily the preaching. You can have the finest preacher on the planet, but if the culture isn't right and that seed isn't received properly, it's not going to do anything. That is an affirmation of the Holy Ghost.
Testing, one, two. Does that work? Let's give our media folks a hand here of appreciation. Thank you all so very much. So we have to have a soil condition at Grace Church so that when we scatter seed, whether it be small groups, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, prayer meetings, it's productive. Everything we do here must be productive in one way or another, and it can be and will be depending on the soil, which is the people. Everybody say amen. Why do growing churches really, what do they do that's really different from churches that are not growing? They are life-giving churches. They give life. Their environment and culture gives life to the people who come in needing it. They have a life-giving culture. It's not the information you receive that fosters life. It's the culture that fosters life. You can't really build culture. I'm not trying to be complicated here tonight, and I hope everybody's on board with me. You can't really build culture. We, as the people of Grace Church, have to be culture. We are the culture. Everybody say, I'm the culture. Everybody say, I'm the culture. Great culture isn't something we can really teach. It's something we have to become. We must become culture. We embrace certain cultural responsibilities. If we become these things, if we will be it, we will have it. If we become culture, then we will by default have things that culture produces. So I want to focus for a little while tonight on a what I call creating a life-giving culture. Do you agree with me tonight that healthy things grow? Does everybody agree with that statement? Healthy things grow. I want to give you seven cultural responsibilities that as a church we must embrace I'd like for everybody to listen as closely as you can absorb as much as you can seven cultural responsibilities we must embrace when we were teaching vision a couple of Wednesday nights ago I mentioned to you that there are wins that we that we have to know and understand them as a win uh, when you have a church service there should be wins there excuse the analogy but you'll understand this better there you have to be able to determine what a touchdown is you have to be able to determine what a home run is uh there's there's wins that we accomplish everybody listen our first responsibility as saved christian people we must be this don't say it be it. Everybody say, be it. We must be passionately in love with Jesus. This is a win. Ministry, ministering to people, listen to pastor. Ministry doesn't come from what you know. Ministry comes from the overflow of your personal relationship with Jesus. 
My ministry will only be as good as my time and relationship is with Jesus. It's not what you know. It's not what you've learned. It's who you've been with. Remember when the, was it the scribes that sent some people to uh, Jesus one time to uh, try to trip him up with questions and whatever, and they came back completely converted. And all they could say was, we've just been with Jesus. Everything changed. We, we have to understand that. We set the example. And when you present yourself realistically, sincerely, honestly, and truly to people who are looking for hope, people who are looking for a better life, when you truly present yourselves to them as people who have been with Jesus, your spirit impacts them. It's not what you say. It's what they feel in your handshake, and it's what they see in your smile. It's what they hear in the tone of your voice. When you meet guests in the lobby and all you talk about is people who's dying with COVID and cancer and how horrible your life is and how wrecked you are and you're going through a divorce and all that, you're not going to bring them nowhere. But if you can approach them, imagine how you feel. Those that were here last night, imagine leaving here and walking out in the lobby and seeing a guest standing there. You just left the presence of God. Imagine what your attitude's like. It's kind of like a family having their first baby in the hospital. They don't act like the people upstairs whose, li whose wife just, excuse me here tonight, but I, I, I want to teach this with all of my might. You can tell a difference at woman's hospital between the family whose mother just had a major surgery due to cancer and it's not a good prognosis and that family that just had their first baby. Can you not tell the difference? Answer me tonight, somebody. Can you not tell the difference? Still didn't get much of an answer, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm very passionate about this here tonight. They're walking around with those bubblegum cigars. They have a big thing on their shoulder, on their shirt that says, it's a boy. And, and you just feel the excitement. When my mother came out of her coma several years ago after being in a horrible, horrible car accident, my brother started running up and down the hall saying, my mother's awake, my mother's awake, my mother's awake, my mother's awake. If people understand that, and when people come in the lobby and they come sit down and you have that warm smile and that handshake that says, I've just been with Jesus, you don't have to say nothing. It's not what you know. It's who you've been with. It's who you've been with. So if your latest engagement was with CNN News, you're not going to be that positive. But if your latest engagement was with the Lord Jesus, you're going to walk out there with a smile. You can have some confidence. You may not know everything, but you do know Jesus, and that's all that matters. If we are passionately in love with Jesus, I want everybody to remember that. It's not what you know. It's who you've been with. We set the example. Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation or conduct, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. People feel that stuff. 
Set the example. You do it. Don't tell someone else to do it. You do it. And if you do it, other people will do it. Set the example for believers. Serve the Lord with gladness, not sadness and not madness. Your attitude is when you're, when you're serving in, in, at Grace Church, your attitude is this, I'm glad to do it. I'm happy to do it. We can't be ruled with minimums. For example, do I have to stay the whole time? Can I slip out early? I mean, do I have to do all of that? We have to learn as a church, and I'm, I'm, I'm appealing, especially to this, our Wednesday night crowd, our, our, our 300, this bunch. We need to learn how to develop self-feeders. We need to teach people how to pray. We, we, we need to know how to read the Bible and absorb and apply what we read. And we need to learn how to teach that, portray that, be an example of that. To teach people how to feed themselves and not depend on you putting every morsel of spiritual food that goes into their mouth. We need to celebrate changed lives. I want to I brag on Peyton here tonight. I, I've been real hesitant to do that. I don't want to embarrass her, put her on the spot. Uh, she's been at Grace Church for two or three years. She's operating the, the words you see on the screen here tonight. She has been a wonderful testimony of this. When she walked in the door, she felt like she had a family here. This church gave her hope in so many ways it gave her hope. And a lot of people, a lot of people have poured into her, mentoring, training, giving her advice, teaching, being a friend, just being somebody to talk to. And it goes on and on and on. She's been phenomenal. And she inspires me every time I see her. We have to do this with everybody. Listen to me tonight. When she came to Grace Church, she had a kind of a basic understanding of know God. The first part of our vision, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Know God. But there were some freedoms that she needed to find. And now she's finding her purpose. And it won't be long until she'll start telling people, I know exactly how you feel. I've been exactly where you at. And she'll bring restoration and healing. This is how it works. This is what Grace Church should do with everybody that comes here looking for a true relationship with God. We should not be standoffish and put barriers and walls up and all those kind of things. Number two, got to hurry. At Grace Church, we create ministry around people's gifts, not our ideas. Uh, we've done this for a long time. This is a win. Build around the people and their gifts, and it won't die when the minister or the personality of that minister leaves. I want everybody to understand that. Most people that have come to me with an idea, and we have done things based off of people's ideas, but it also falls right into their gifting, and it's been incredibly successful. We try to do away with the vol volunteerism mentality. We try to do away with the, hey, everybody, we need some help for this or that. Would you go sign up? you know, out in the lobby. How many, when was the last time you heard us make such of an announcement? We haven't asked anybody to volunteer for anything in a long time. We haven't done a sign-up sheet, and I couldn't tell you when. But look how much we get done. It's because we create an environment and a culture where people want to be involved. Talk to someone today that wants to be involved. Just a revival is going on in her life, and she wants to be, she wants to be involved. 
again, we have a process where people can discover their gifts and they can discover their purpose. And we do that here at Grace Church. We allow people to discover their redemptive calling, their God-given gifts. We, we make equipping people the main function of the staff. We make equipping people the main function of the staff. It's virtually almost their only function. Everybody that I've talked to in leadership, when they want to become involved in a serve team, especially if it's a new one, I ask them the next statement is absolutely build you a staff. I told Christy knows that when she started Kids Church. She came with an idea, lots of plans, lots of ideas. My first statement was to her was to build a staff. Get you a group of people, and your job is to work that to a point that you're not needed up there anymore. It can run without you. I'm not asking people here tonight to do ministry. I'm asking you to help me to equip others to do ministry. Everybody say amen. Now, all of our leadership team have been, has, when we introduced Grow from Grace a number of years ago, we taught all this to our leadership people. You wonder why uh, Nathan Henson has, what, five or six people back there that runs lights and media and all that, and uh, Jonathan Adams has people helping him, and Nancy recruited people to help her in the lobby, and uh, it goes right down the line. I met with Kelton this week and uh, has six or eight men uh, that are in wait uh, for, for grace steps and what have you, leadership training, to start working out in the lobby with him. It's the first thing we say. If you, if you come to me with an idea or your team is, it's people have moved on or whatever, build you a staff, build a staff, build a staff, build a staff. We want to create ministry around people's gifting. The third thing we do here at Grace Church is to empower people. We want to be intentional about not building a church around the personality of the pastor. We take risk and we let some people do some things. We do. Our leadership team will tell you if they are honest. I am not a micromanager. And when they come to me with an idea, I'll give them maybe a few parameters here and there. Not a much. But uh, God bless you. Go with it. Um, Christy knows is our latest perhaps. Her and Kelton, they'll both tell you. Gave them a few parameters pertaining to our vision that we're doing here at Grace Church, what I'm teaching right now. Otherwise, go and have a great time. If you have any problems, come talk to me and we'll work it out. That's my style here. It's not built around me. It's built around you. Your gifting, your purpose, your ministry, your passion. Some pastors are afraid that somebody's going to take people from them, and you, you, you can't be insecure and be a great leader. The two do not go hand in hand. Even Jesus used people who weren't completely ready. And I've used people who I didn't feel like were completely ready. And I questioned when they walked out of my office, I don't know, I hope that works. And they blossomed into some amazing people, and it blew me away. Um, I've had that happen numerous times here. They didn't know everything, but they had just been with Jesus. And Jesus empowered them. Listen to pastor tonight. Everybody needs to get your head around this. It's going to be on the screen. Ronald Reagan said, there's no limit to the amount of good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. 
There's a lot of folks in UPC circles that if they don't get the credit, they ain't doing nothing else. We can't be that way. It's not about us. It's about him and them. That's who it's about. We do our best to encourage creative thinking here at Grace Church. If you're on a serve team, if you're a serve team leader, how can you make it better? Be creative. We encourage Grace Church to dream. We've taught this. We've preached this. So our next step, our next step right now that I'm anxious to, to begin to develop and see happen, and we're getting people on board to do that, to do this, is we, we, we want to get back to small groups, not cell groups as they were in the past, but small groups. I mentioned this to you uh, when we were talking about vision. We like to do uh, self-interest groups, as we call it. Um, the material, most of this material came from the Church of the Highlands in Birmingham. I mentioned that to you. They had a small group that met every Sunday afternoon, and they threw Frisbees. You say, well, that's not ministry. Think about some of the things Jesus did, and then tell me that's not ministry. Do you think it was just a coincidence that he called fishermen? Or did he have a plan that if they understood the concept of fishermen, I could, I could develop them into disciples because there's a lot of overlap here. This, this throwing the Frisbee thing, there was a lot of people that was just looking for friends and what a great platform to take people who have a self-interest like that, introduce them to Jesus, and then bring them to the house of God. And small group ministry here at Grace Church can virtually be focused around anything, of course, that's pure, moral, biblical, etc. In times past, we had a small group that was shooting guns. Uh, Troy Swallow would take them to a shooting range uh, periodically. It started out for just our men, but some of the women said, hey, 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 hey. Don't want to be left out of that, so our lady folks started going. I've been to that with them a couple of times with that. Um, not opposed to an exercise small group for men or women. Uh, we were doing cooking classes. Uh, Jonathan Grown, I don't know if he knows what he's getting into yet or not, but he started working with some of our, our children and our students with music, teaching them music. We heard that a couple of Wednesday nights ago. We'll be hearing it again pretty soon. But I'm asking you here tonight, we have our, our knitting group. I'll never forget when Renata Hoskins texted me and said I'd like to start a small group and just get the ladies together and knit I kind of chuckled I remember my grandmother knitting and I was a kid then I had not thought about knitting in years and I thought that is wonderful you go for it but God bless you boy was I wrong ladies flocked out to that if you remember the early days of that sister Renita I understand they still have it going on. They meet at Starbucks somewhere, and all the employees of Starbucks knows who they are, and they know what kind of coffee they want, and they know each other about it. I think it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And uh, so you have all these nerds coming in there with their iPads and iPhones and computers, and here comes Grace Church people with a bag of knitting thread and two big old long needles and sit there and do this number. Um, small groups. Uh, we, we can't be pushed away from vision, but we have to let people challenge the process and come up with better ways to accomplish the vision. Our message is not on the negotiating table, but our vision, our processes, and so on 
is. We have a culture that creates an atmosphere of encouragement. We have a culture right now that creates an atmosphere of encouragement. We have an atmosphere right now that does public commendations. You hear pastor complimenting, bragging, if you will, on our media booth, our production booth, our worship team, the people out in the lobby, our Sunday. Y'all hear that all the time. We do public commendations. It's okay for you folks, especially someone that's newer, someone that may be struggling or something, write them a note and drop it in the mail, and we have people that do that. But it's a whole lot better when you name their name in front of other people. So if you can get them in a group and say, you know, I've been real proud of you, and say that in front of a group, I've been real proud of you. You've been doing great in your relationship with God lately. Folks, say these things. Make positive statements in front of people about people. It creates an atmosphere that people like, and they will want to be a part of your church of your team, etc. Number four, we focus on systems that work. At Grace Church, and we're, we're doing this now that some of the COVID stuff is behind us, at least for now, but we continually tweak. Pre-COVID, our leadership team will tell you that we tweak, tweak, tweak to make it better, make it better, make it better. We look for people that will help make things better. We ask for ideas on how to make things better. I've asked numerous people. I've bounced stuff off of people a thousand times or more. How do you think we can make a certain thing better? We try to clarify a measurable win. Keep the vision. We, we strive to keep our vision clear. And we say it, and we say it, and we say it. You see it in the lobby. We want people, first of all, to know God. And then we want them to find freedom. And then we want them to discover their purpose, as most of you have. And then we want them to make a difference, as some of you are doing. This is our vision, to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. I'm asking you folks to memorize it and to say it, to say it, to say it, and to keep saying it. What we do here at Grace Church, we do our best to keep everything measurable, to develop ways to measure our effectiveness to always know how the church is doing, how people in the church are doing. And as a church, it is imperative that we fall in love with people. It is imperative that we fall in love with people. God loves faithfulness. God loves faithfulness, but he prefers fruitfulness. And we must be fruitful. All of us must strive to get better. Everybody say get better. So we don't necessarily focus on the score, scoreboard. We just want to keep getting better. Again, healthy things grow. If it gets better, it will get bigger. We should not worry necessarily about making our church bigger. We need to make it better. And if we make it better, by default, it'll get bigger. Number five is we, we strive to have fun here at Grace Church, and we do. Environments need to be fun. The lobby needs to be fun. The lobby is not a funeral home parlor. The lobby is not an ICU unit. If you want to have some long, drastic, tear-jerking story you want to tell to somebody, take them out of the lobby to do it. Go in the bathroom Go in the conference room, or better yet, 
Save it to later in the week when you can talk to them somewhere at a restaurant somewhere. Our lobby is not a area where you get threats and you feel uncomfortable and you're like, oh my goodness, what's going on in here? I don't want to be in here. We don't want that. We want people, we want our, our lobby to be a magnet. Some of you will remember pre-COVID, I keep saying pre-COVID, but some of you will remember how crowded the lobby used to be all the time. Anybody remember that that's here tonight? I don't expect a hand to be raised anything or anything. But, but people used to complain, Pastor, we've got to do something with the lobby. I have talked to people about expanding our lobby. People love to congregate in the lobby. Why? It was a magnet for just good, fun fellowship. People high-fived and ha-ha-ha'd and then came in here to worship God. We want that back. Almost to the point of asking our concierge and greeters, if you see somebody out there telling a horrible, horrible story about the last 50 people in their family that just died, ask them to go outside and talk about that for a while. Just take it, take it somewhere else. I'm not being insensitive, but there's a time and place for everything. And our lobby is not a time and place. It's, it's a place to have fun. And we have to work, work it into everything we do. Everything we do here at Grace Church should have an element of fun and enjoyment to it. It needs to become a part of our culture. And to some of us, this will be the best part of this presentation tonight. Food. There needs to be food. There always has to be food. Oh, my goodness. Does anybody appreciate our giveaway Sundays when you have good church in here and you've had a great altar service and some have been crying and snotting and others have been jumping up and down and you walk out in the lobby and there's this sweet young person sitting there with this big basket of the packs of Oreo cookies and the chips of Hoy chocolate chip cookies. It just makes you smile. And say, I've got something to eat on the way to the restaurant. Food. Here at Grace Church, and, and all of you will remember that this is true. We give stuff away. We don't charge here at Grace Church. That deserves a round of applause. The only thing we charge for is if we're doing a, a fundraiser, what have you, for missions. That's not charging. That's just another way to get you to give an offering. Those spaghetti dinners we've done, the church provides all of that. And then we ask you to give an offering to take a plate to a table somewhere and eat it. That's what that boils down to. But we have learned that people will give you more if you give it away. And we have a policy here at Grace Church. If we can't afford to do it, we're not going to do it anyway and then charge for it. We give bottles of water away. I don't know of anything. Somebody help me. I don't know that we charge for anything here. On top of that, we feed our municipalities around the church, our schools, police department, fire department, etc. We feed them on a consistent basis. Here at Grace Church, we strive for excellence. Everybody say excellence. Scientifically, what creates a return customer? What makes them come back? It's not always the closest. It's not always the cheapest. Price and convenience are really low on the survey list. People will buy when they are comfortable in your environment. I've heard a lot of people say just recently, they hate going to the mall because every little store you walk into at the mall, they have music blasting so loud. You can't hear yourself think, so they turn around and walk out. It's not a comfortable environment. We have to understand that. Uh, 
when people know the environment that's going to be comfortable, they'll, they'll come back. What creates comfort? What creates comfort? Excellence creates comfort. Comfort creates return customers. When things are done well, people relax, do fewer things very well, and that's what we do here at Grace Church. Has anybody ever been to church with a brand new preacher in the pulpit? He's never, or she's never been to the pulpit before, and they're stumbling around with notes and doing all, and there's, and um, um, what I think that, um, what I think that God has talked to me about, and boy, it don't take me about five minutes of that, and you're wringing your hands, and oh, God, help him, God, help him, God, help him, and you're not listening to a word he's saying because he's nervous. We ask people, all of our leadership team, to come to Grace Church prepared. If you walk in the door, it's too late if you're not prepared. We ask everybody to come prepared. We want to do things excellent, and what we do, we strive to do very well. Number six, we love people. We want everybody to understand you've come to Grace Church, and we will love you. And here at Grace Church, listen very carefully. Y'all give me a few minutes. I'm trying to hurry. Not real hard, but I am trying. We want to create, even in the face of all the COVID stuff, and, we, and we've, we're figuring out ways to do it, we have figured out ways to do it, is we want to create a high-touch environment. There are 30 ways to create a high-touch environment, and I'm going to go, this, go through this very quickly. <clears throat> People need to be needed. We, we, we taught that. People need to be known. We want to love people who come to Grace Church in practical ways. We're asking you to be involved in the life of Grace Church, in the culture of Grace Church. We're asking for personal involvement in the life of Grace Church. Don't develop an attitude and say, well, let them do it. No, you do it. You do it in your circle of friends. Um, we ask you to get in a group, not a clique, a group. A group welcomes more people. Cliques don't. We ask you to get involved in a group. If you are in a group and someone new comes, invite them to be a part of it. Um, I'm going to ask everybody at Grace Church to get involved and stay involved. Get involved, stay involved. You want to manifest publicly, I am one of them. I'm not just a leader of the church, but I'm a member of that church. I'm a member of it. It's my church. I love my church. I appreciate my church. I serve my church. We ask everybody here tonight to guard your heart. If something bad gets in there, get rid of it. Don't have time to expound on that. Um, people can be mean. Remember that, that people can be mean. The devil will make sure there's enough mean people around you. We're asking people to guard your heart. We ask people at church, at Grace Church, to cut people some slack. Hurting people hurt people. See them as a victim instead of a victimizer. Our battle tonight is against the devil, not people. Every day I pray prayers of forgiveness. Every day I do it. Ask Jesus to help us forgive us. God forgive us. Help us to forgive ourselves as we forgive others. And folks, please refuse to gossip no gossip no gossip I heard a preacher story a long time ago a woman at his church he called a woman in his church one time and said I'll go downtown and buy you a color television if you'll take your telephone out point well taken 
If it's not true, don't say it. Keep your dumb mouth shut. Number seven, and I'm concluding. <clears throat> we are more concerned, listen to pastor, as Grace Church, our posture needs to change just a little bit and we need to tweak just a little bit. We should be more concerned with reaching people than keeping people. If you keep people coming in the door and you create the right environment, they'll stay by default because of your environment and culture. Some of you are not going to like this, but it's becoming a part of our culture. Here at Grace Church, we here tonight do not exist for us. We exist here tonight for the others who aren't here yet. Hospitals do not always exist for who's there. It's for the people that's coming. And we have to have a similar posture. Everybody said amen. amen. So I want to encourage everybody here tonight. I'm saying this in faith. I know God's going to do some amazing things. Don't get too comfortable with your seat. Or prepare to get here earlier. I was very encouraged a couple of Sunday mornings ago, and we're not near full, but it did encourage me a couple of Sunday mornings ago when a large group of people walked in, and they all wanted to sit together, and they had to look a little while before they found a seating arrangement that would accommodate that. I thought, what is it going to be like when one person walks in here and can't hardly find a seat? I love it. I love it. When new people come, and they don't even think of whose seat they are taking. I remember a time when Troy and Kara sat right about where Donnie and Kathy are sitting right now. And there's been several people that have beat them to church, took that seat, and they just gave up. They just slid on five or six rows back, and y'all can just have whoever wants that seat up there, they can have it. Amen. Don't get too comfortable with your seat. I've seen our praise team people that normally sit over here. On Sundays, it's been too full, so they had to trickle around, trickle around. They end up way over there. And then I look over there, and I think they left. And then look over there about how, and I'm mad, bawling, as mad as a hornet, and I look, oh, there they are. Then I have to get unmad, and it uh, just kind of plays with your head after a while. Don't get too comfortable you see. We must train every member in our church in personal evangelism. We are ripe right now for new people to come and to find a relationship with God that will be amazing. And the easiest way to develop personal evangelism is just to invite somebody. One statistic I read said 84% 84 of people who do not go to church would if they were personally invited by somebody. But it's based on the things that we've already talked about, primarily who you've been with recently and what your attitude's like and all of that. If you're positive, personable, excited, I've just been with Jesus. Come to my church and, and just see what happens. Um, I believe God has got us postured right now for an amazing outpouring of a spirit, an amazing growth spurt. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for some new folks, some new challenges. Have to teach again and all that kind of stuff. I'm ready for God to do some amazing things. Let's give the Lord some appreciation tonight. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Well, I made it before 8.30, and I'm uh, very, very happy about that. God bless you. Please absorb this. If you didn't catch it all, go back and watch, listen to it again. And uh, I would have finished earlier, but we had that 30-minute snafu with the sound system.
that took at least 30 minutes for them to take care of that. So uh, is what it is. God bless you guys. You're dismissed, and we will see you Sunday morning. Come excited about Jesus.